Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy weekend to you. Welcome to The Ron Show. I appreciate you for joining us. So... Unless you have been in a coma or you don't follow social media, you may not be aware of one of the hotter topics circulating throughout Metro Atlanta, and dare I say, probably through the food service industry for a lot longer anyway. Uh, This caught my eye when uh, ATL Scoop on Instagram shared this uh, within the last 24 hours, a screen grab of a bill from Cabbage Town restaurant Jen Chan's, which charges customers a 4% health insurance fee. All full-time employees get health insurance at Jen Chan's, by the way. Uh, So there actually has been, I guess, not much pushback, but the pushback that uh, owner Jen and Emily Chan have gotten has kind of rattled them a little bit. In fact, in one case, they received, well, flat out a, a threat, a threat to not only not patronize the business, not vandalize the business, but to do physical harm to the two owners and their child. You heard me. To do physical harm to the owners and their child. Someone had the stones on their Facebook page to comment, I've never seen a family that needs to be beaten up more. Make that health care come in handy. We're going to talk with co-owner Emily Chan in just a few minutes about this and see how business has gone since, what the reaction's been, how this uh, all came to be, why they needed to do it in just a few minutes. But first, can I just say, I'm going to guess here that uh, Extra Mad MAGA keyboard warrior has probably never been near Cabbage Town, thinks Cabbage Town is probably tucked away in some rural Georgia county and never set his crock-wearing pudgy foot in this establishment. I certainly hope that at minimum, they reported that Facebook post so that that jackass can be removed from social media. And at most, dare I say, I kind of hope they contacted the authorities so that charges could be filed. Anyway, we're going to talk with Emily Chan about this. Emily, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I I imagine you've been busy since uh, this social media flare-up, and I imagine you're going to be pretty busy uh, in the near future as well, as it it appears that folks want to uh, patronize your restaurant. uh, And and I I know you've gotten some some negative social media feedback as well, but we're not going to focus on them too much. First of all, tell us a little bit about the uh, the, the Jen Chan story. Yeah, so my wife and I opened up uh, this little restaurant uh, shortly after we had our child, um, we started as a supper club. Mm-hmm. We just sort of, proved, we worked out of a shared kitchen, yeah. um, made, made some dinners and traveled around with Mick in the car seat, uh, dropping them off at people's homes. And then, um, a, a storefront opened in our neighborhood, um, on Carroll street in Cabbage town. And we had the insane idea to think that we could open up a restaurant. <laughs> so we signed the lease about six months before the pandemic. Right. Um, opened up our doors and then closed them, uh, went, went, um, uh, pivoted to sort of takeout mode. And then, uh, we're, we're back full force now. I remember during the pandemic walking down Carroll street, uh, my, uh, my now ex-husband and I had just moved into old fourth ward and we were walking around checking this place out and I'm like, Oh my God, this is like a little pocket of new Orleans vibe right here 
you know, in Old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. And uh, so we really enjoyed and, and we, we got one of your menus and did takeout because, again, it was the pandemic. And so uh, you guys were so gracious. Like, we just walked in. You had uh, tables with uh, with chairs stacked on them. You were clearly not open or ready for bit, but you guys were so friendly back then. So I I, uh, I remember you greatly. So when I saw that there was all this social media flare up, I thought to myself, this is like the friendliest little nook in, in, in Cabbage Town. And, uh, you know, I, I, I happen to think what you guys are doing is fantastic. So let's explain what, what what's going on. Uh, you'll, you'll see, and if you haven't yet, you will soon on social media that uh, Jen Chans has chosen to offer health insurance to their employees and they charge a health insurance surcharge on their checks. Uh, so someone sought to, uh, I don't know, either give you guys some notoriety or, or a hat tip or whatever to the fact that you do that. And I think it's important. I mean, let's be honest. Folks who are handling other folks' food can, if, if, if they're ill or unable to go see a doctor to get better, can spread illness pretty fast, right? We want our food service employees to be healthy. And so... Who, first of all, whose idea was it to uh, offer the health insurance and how did you guys decide to work it out so that you were going to include it on the check versus just build it into the cost of your food? Well, as far as uh, Jen Chan's offering health insurance, we've from the moment we opened, we've always wanted to do that. Jen and I have both been in the food industry our entire lives and health insurance for restaurants is just few and far between. Um, but as far as the concept of a 4% charge, um, you know, that belongs to uh, Sarah O'Brien at Little Tart, Ticonderoga Club, their business part, all of that stuff. They, there was about a year and a half ago, they released a, um, an article, I think, in the AJC, and I caught it and I was like, this maybe this could be the only way that we can do this <laughs> um, besides uh, raising our prices across the board. Mm. Um, and the biggest part of it is that you know, it is a statement. We're very clearly making a statement. Okay. We very, we very clearly want people to to notice and pay attention to um, the issue of you know the restaurant industry, and it's a big one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's eighty percent failure rate. Uh, mm-hmm. If a restaurant, you know, if a restaurant can even make it long enough, about four or five years to start making a profit, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's hard enough to do that. So there's really no way. Um, you know, Jen and I, not not giving ourselves a paycheck for, you know, almost a year. Right. Uh, we, <laughs> we didn't pay ourselves for almost the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the industry is difficult. Being a small business owner is difficult. The only way that we could afford to give our employees health insurance is, you know, is, you know, raising the price of the fried rice astronomically mm-hmm. or, or this line item. And we thought the line item was, was great. Because if someone doesn't like it, it's printed on the menu beforehand Mm -hmm. and we just remove it. And, you know, that's happened in a, in the over a year we've had it on the menu. That's happened a handful, probably less than a handful of times. Really? Um, Somebody, somebody seriously pushes back about a 4% surcharge to make sure that maybe, (laughs) yeah, Uh. maybe three times, maybe three times someone has, you know, said, all right, I'm not comfortable with this and we have no problem. And that's why, you know, it's a line item. The majority of everybody has just been like, oh, you know, hell yeah. Um, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. And knowing Cabbage Town and knowing the vibe of Cabbage Town, that doesn't really surprise me. Uh, <laughs> but obviously the, the fact that you're going to get some pushback because you're going to have tourists who kind of wander out there and, uh, you know, yeah. get, get in a huff about it in some kind of way, shape, form or fashion. So do you, do you accept that there are those who say, well, this is kind of a virtue signally sort of thing, or do you lean into that? Because you're, as you said, trying to make a point. 
I, you know, I, I'm, I may just, you know, I have, we have a six year old in a restaurant. So we live inside the kitchen or, or at our house with our child. And I honestly maybe sound ignorant here, but I've never heard of virtue signaling until, <laughs> <laughs> until this happened. And it was like this thing. And I'm like, what, what is this? What? I don't get it. Why is everyone saying this is virtue signaling? We're very clearly stating who we are, mm-hmm. uh, what we care about. And we care about our employees and we feel confident that, you know, this should raise awareness because I, I, from the bottom of my heart, I don't think that other small business owners don't care about their employees. Mm -hmm. They just can't afford it. At the end of the day, that's it. Like health insurance. I mean, we, we started with health insurance with Humana um, whenever we first started doing this and we're paying these premiums and out of nowhere, I mean, it tripled just just no, no email, no contact. Just all of a sudden, the next bill was, and I'm like, you understand? Like these are deductions. How, how do I make up for this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with mm-hmm. this? And and that's just that was it. There was no answer. Um, so we, you know, went through a lot. We had a broker. We have three different um, insurance carriers for the uh, ten or eleven full time employees we have who are on health insurance mm-hmm. because one couldn't get covered. Um, due to pre-existing conditions, which I thought wasn't the thing anymore. Yeah, I thought I that went away, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel for other small business owners because there was, the negative side of it was there was a lot of vitriol about, you know, whether or not we're taking advantage or, or mm-hmm. you know, comments about all of this. And I just found that that to be a bit disturbing because – you know, don't attack the small business owner who's, you know, our, the profit margin for a restaurant is 6%. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, you know, 4% of that health insurance would leave 2%. Well, that's two pennies on a dollar. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> the, the math isn't there. Do you know, or has anybody done any, any numbers crunching uh, as to whether or not the uh, tips for, for the servers uh, suffer as a result of the 4% no, surcharge? no. Yes, no, we we have not. No tips have suffered. If anything, people are more generous. Um, and we just did our. It's funny that this sort of came out at the end of the year because that's whenever we do our, our the the big math to find out you know if that four percent matched mm-hmm. what our premiums were for the mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And out of all of it, uh, we were two thousand dollars off. So oh, okay. the math is the math is pretty. The math is pretty solid. We're we're fairly excited about that. Oh, that's incredible. And and so yeah. there, I, I noticed uh, again a, a lot of the social media reaction has been very very positive. However, you have actually gotten some negative. In fact, uh, I saw uh, on your Facebook page you shared one threatening comment uh, on your uh, you and your wife and, and your in your child's photo, and that's that's not only disheartening, but a, a, are you scared by that, or does that frighten you in any way, or do you just blow it off to? keyboard warriors out in the middle of nowhere who go nowhere near cabbage town to begin with i was um terrified uh when i saw it like i, I kind of can't sort of explain that moment you know it's your child yes. a picture of your wife and your child i mean i was in the restaurant when it happened i'd gotten up at three o'clock in the morning because we have this this uh catering uh that we're doing at four and um and i saw the post and i just you know, I'm alone in the restaurant. So I run and I lock, you know, lock the door, make sure the alarm set. Mm. Then I, you know, I'm like sort of panicking. I set the home alarm to, to stay because Jen's still sleeping. Like it was just one of those like really terrifying moments. And then 
you know, you realize, okay, calm down. This is somebody who doesn't even live here. Um, they're, they're not from here. They're not even from the state of Georgia. You <laughs> right. know, then, then, you, then you, they've never eaten at your restaurant. They, they never will. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's, let's sort of, you sort of start thinking a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, you know, click the, the report, you know, report the comment. Okay, good. Um, and they, they took it down and he, he the same person had made some other really horrendous comments they had apparently had just gone through all of our pictures and left a bunch of other stuff oh my god it wasn't worth it wasn't worth sharing yeah. so yeah yeah that's all the and the the negative stuff has really honestly all come from out of state it's just all i, I don't yeah every i mean i'm not going to say everybody because there are lots of people who have very valid points who disagree with what we're doing and that's why we live in this country right <laughs> you're, you're allowed to do that that's why it's a line item. We'll be happy to remove it for you. Well, that or, or you just you don't have to dine it uh, at Jen Chan's. We're on with uh, Emily Chan, uh, uh, co-owner of Jen Chan's in uh, Cabbage Town. Uh, so I, I'm sure you maybe don't have time to or do pay attention to some of this. Uh, obviously, Medicaid expansion is something that Democrats have been trying to push through the state legislature here. We've got a new legislative session starting on Monday, and there seem to be some signs that maybe now even Republicans are seeing the the need for this and modeling Arkansas's plan. Uh, have you paid any attention to this? Do you keep up with this sort of news I, in your perfect? I do. I, I do try to keep up with this sort of news. I'm a, I'm a vote and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I think this, I, I'm hopeful, um, all I can say. And I think that, again, not to like, the, the, I feel like the group of people who started this, and you know, th- this isn't just a Atlanta thing, these mm-hmm. surcharges, they're, they're happening in other states as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like it's just going to have a very nice momentum. Um, and maybe Congress will start paying attention to it and say, hey, something is broken here. Um, and let's fix it. And we are the only ones who can. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe this will be a good session. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, I know you're, I know you're super busy. You're heading into a busy weekend and, and now with, with all the notoriety and attention, uh, even busier. So, so I want to thank you for giving us some time and, and discussing uh, your situation. Jen Chans is, uh, in Cabbage Town on Carroll Street. Fantastic place. Uh, in fact, the, the entire neighborhood, give yourself a good Saturday afternoon down there. And then stop by Jen Chan's for some food. Emily Chan with Jen Chan's. Thank you so much for talking with us on The Ron Show today. Thank you for the conversation. I really appreciate it. And by the way, I'll I'll share some of the social media posts that you can see for yourself. In fact, there's even a screen grab of the bill where you can see the surcharge from Jen Chan's that is just noted at the bottom of the tab and has been for more than a year. So when I come back, I'm going to read for you their social media response to someone complaining about the surcharge. And I think you'll hear a lot of what Emily already said, but I also think the angst, the struggle, the uphill climb that small business people have to endure to keep their doors open. More on that when the Ron Show returns here on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, wherever you podcast. Welcome back to the Ron Show and happy weekend. To the, the, it is, right? The first official full weekend of the year 2024. And trust me, within a blink of an eye, we'll be talking about the last official full weekend of the year 2024. And it'll be cold, and I don't like this. I'm ready for spring. Uh, anyway, so speaking of warmth, uh, one of the hotter uh, topics of discussion lately uh, on social media, in particular on Instagram, we've seen uh, a lot of traction, especially with Atlanta Scoop, and I've even seen some various radio stations. When you just do the hashtag Jen Chan or Jen Chans, you can see this conversation happening actually throughout the country. The restaurant industry in a few pockets has started to 
put line items like a 4% health insurance surcharge. We had Emily on last break to explain why she chose to do it that way. And in some respects, it's about a conversation. And it also gives the customer the option of saying, no, I don't want to do that. Fortunately for Emily and Jen Chan's employees, the full-time employees at Jen Chan's, most people pay it and don't even take it out of the tip for the server. Fantastic, right? That's great. However, someone who takes issue with this occasionally will wander into Cabbage Town unaware that Cabbage Town is kind of a cool little beatnik liberal, and Atlanta is a fairly liberal city anyway, but a super liberal little pocket, <laughs> you know, just south of Old Fourth Ward, Atlanta, and that Jen Chan's is a liberal and gay-owned food establishment. Mm. So then they complain. And in one case, Emily and Jen were threatened. Their child, in the photo, where they were actually threatened. Now, that's just one random jackass, but there actually was a Facebook post that caused a complaint and sent folks to their website and their social media to complain. Folks who'd never even set foot in the place, bombarding their Yelp even. Here's their response via Facebook to one particular complaint. They wrote, to the two-top that sat at table 15 last night, my wife chatted you up like we do. We like to talk to our guests. We invite you in our home is how we feel about it. So we try to personally make sure everything is going great. You said it was. Everything seemed fine. So based on what has happened in the last few hours, it appears the paragraph printed on our menu was missed and you were caught off guard by a health insurance fee we implemented. I am truly sorry about that. We posted on the menu itself and the receipt to avoid this. It has been on the menu for about a year now, and we were inspired by another couple of restaurants here that do the same. This is what it says. On your receipt, you will notice 4% health insurance we implemented after our premiums more than tripled last year. Let me mention that. Thank you for being a part of our effort to ensure our staff can seek care for whatever mental or physical ailments they may face. We have appreciated all the positive feedback from you. Thank you. Please know that we will be more than happy to remove this for you without hesitation. They went on to respond to the person who posted the receipt. There are two ways businesses pass increases due to rising costs to consumers. Shrinkage, meaning that box of cereal has less product in it this year than last, but costs the same. Or directly, in that that box of cereal costs more than it did. They just raised the price. Businesses always pass the cost of benefits, insurance, etc. to consumers. That is how business operates. They are typically just folded into the cost of that burger. So true, y'all. We have to remember Jeff Bezos. Here's what they write. Jeff Bezos does not pay for his employees' health insurance. You do when you shop at Amazon. And Nike does not pay for their employees' insurance. It's just built into the cost of the shoe. When you buy that shoe, you are paying for their insurance. This is a hostile climate for small business owners with rising food costs, taxes, inflation, you name it. We're just trying to keep our doors open and our employees' health insurance covered. And we are doing it as transparently and honestly as we can because we do care. We could either raise the cost of the entire menu by way more than 4% to make up for it. We could just give folks less fried rice and charge the same, or we could be transparent in hopes that this brings attention to what small business owners face. We are hoping to bring attention to the health insurance crisis, but not this kind of attention, not threats to our family. Our biggest hope is that our premiums go down and we can remove that line item or lower it altogether. We figured this way, if someone doesn't want to pay it, they don't have to. We thought it was a win-win. 
We are a small independent restaurant, and I would ask that you just look up how many small independent restaurants have closed this month alone in Atlanta, much less across the county, much less this year. At about 6% profit margin, that is the standard industry margin for the industry, if a restaurant is lucky. We aren't there yet. We opened up six months before the pandemic, so we have to make an actual profit. Anyway, at about 6% profit margin, that means we make six pennies for every dollar we sell. We don't sell that much pizza or fried rice, unfortunately, and we felt uncomfortable raising our menu cost that dramatically. But if we didn't do something, we would have to cancel the insurance or close our doors. Here's the part that sucks. Further down in the post, we refunded your entire bill over that $2 in hopes that we can move on from this and maybe you will remove whatever post is invoking people to flood our site, Google, and Yelp and our inbox with misinformation. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Basket of deplorables. Why? Why does anyone feel the need to terrorize? And that's what they're doing. A couple, small business owners, and their child to make a point about an optional line item for health insurance. It's just odd to me that the same crowd that said, well, nobody's forcing you to eat at Chick-fil-A has a problem with a locally owned Cabbage Town restaurant nobody's forcing them to go to. Quick break back after this. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. Welcome back and happy weekend. I don't know what you got planned for this weekend, but uh, what is the forecast looking like here in Atlanta? I think we've got rain coming in tonight, so that won't that means it won't get like super cold. Okay, that's good. Tomorrow, it looks like it's going to rain at least through the morning, which will make it like, ugh, you know, damp and cool. And I can't stand winter. <laughs> I don't know if I've even tried to hide that. I cannot stand winter. Um, so high 55 tomorrow, 51 on Sunday. I may try and sneak a zoo day in. It's funny. I was uh, uh, picking a friend up at the airport the other day. And uh, they had a travel companion with them and was asking about things to do. And I said, uh, have you guys checked out uh, Zoo Atlanta? And this woman, who I don't know, friend of a friend, immediately went off on this tangent about, oh, I can't stand that. Why do they call it Zoo Atlanta, not Atlanta Zoo? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Literally, she's like, I, I just, I, I, it bothers me so much that it's called Zoo Atlanta, not Atlanta Zoo. And it doesn't even make sense because if you Google it, people would alphabetically. I mean, she just went off on this whole like tirade about why it's called Zoo Atlanta, not Atlanta. Zoo. I, don't, I don't. I don't know. If you know, feel free to hit me up, Ron at ronshowatl.com, dot com four zero four nine one nine two seven two five at ronshowatl. If you want to uh, at me there, uh, I, I don't know, and I'm not even going to bother googling it because I just kind of want to. Let this fester for. I, I I was just stunned. Like I don't know, but I that's that's what I may try and do. Throw on a, a hoodie and a jacket because I'm cold natured and go check out the red pandas. And we still have actual pandas here too for a little while longer. So that might be what you see me doing if you bump into me uh, over the weekend, uh, perhaps Sunday when it's not so cold and damp. And oh yeah, the Falcons are playing final game of the season, one o'clock. I think I'll go to the zoo instead. Yeah, I'm nope. Fool me week one, shame on you. Fool me weeks two through 17, and then into 18, and I, you know, shame on me. Nope, tabbing out. I mean, good luck. I, I certainly hope you, I actually, no, I don't even know if I hope they win. You know, this whole draft position, if you're the, if you're among the worst teams, you get a better draft pick, and we clearly need a quarterback. 
Those clearly go early in the draft. We may, I actually think, do need a new head football coach, and so I think losing might push all of that. Anyway, you didn't come here to listen to me talk about weather, things to do in Atlanta, or sports. So let's just get back to talking about health insurance. Because it is, again, a hot topic in American culture, in our society. And there may be those on the right who are going to go, oh, well, I thought the Affordable Care Act was going to fix everything. Well, it it did fix the fact that so many folks never even had access to health insurance. And I will say this, it does help the self-employed and those who don't make enough to be able to afford health insurance. I'll be honest with you, as a realtor, I'm a 1099 employee. I don't I don't work for a company. My health insurance isn't provided to me. I have to go out and pay out of pocket for it, y'all. And I go through the exchange. And can I just be honest with you? I only pay $200 a month. I'm about to be 50. I mean, I'm a healthy male for the most part. I tend to eat right and I do exercise a good bit and I don't smoke. And $200 a month, it's not bad. And that's through the exchange. But the exchange isn't a cure-all. The Affordable Care Act isn't a cure-all, wasn't a cure-all, wasn't supposed to be. And I think in a lot of the minds of those of us left of center, we thought, well, it's a step. And it is a step because, again, there were those who never could get insurance who now are insured. The rate of uninsured has plummeted in the United States. Let me look that up for you. Okay, so I found this handy-dandy little graphic here. Among the non-elderly population in 2010, it was 17.8%. That's the first year the Affordable Care Act was signed and started coming into existence. 17.8%. Do you know in 2022, it fell to below 10%? 9.6%. That's, by my math, nearly half. We've nearly have the rate of the uninsured in this country. What the Affordable Care Act hasn't done, however, is actually made health insurance more affordable on the whole. And it's a bit of a word salady way to explain this, but let me try. The trajectory for health insurance costs was, and let me use this in a roller coaster metaphor, was going at such a rate that if you're in your seat on that roller coaster, your back <laughs> was parallel to the ground. You were going straight up. Whereas now, because of the Affordable Care Act, we're still ascending on the roller coaster up the hill, the great American screen machine, up the hill, but our backs aren't flattened and going parallel to the ground. There's a little bit of an angle, and oh my gosh, my geometry teacher from high school would kill me. I don't remember what that angle was called. Uh, acute, is it? I think. So if we were going to name the Affordable Care Act correctly, it would be the... More Affordable Care Act, as opposed to the Affordable Care Act, or the eh, less expensive than it's going to be if we don't do anything Care Act. But I digress. Healthcare in America is just another one of those things that we make complicated for reasons that I don't understand other than to protect an industry so that it can continue to exist. That being the health insurance industry. Oh, and the medical provider industry too, because they get to continue gouging us for health care or paying out of pocket. 
if you go without insurance or to a emergency care facility without insurance or not the right kind of insurance, call the wrong ambulance company. I mean, it's honestly cheaper to hail an Uber or a Lyft if it's not life-threatening and uh, you can bring a tarp with you so you don't bleed on the uh, Uber or Lyft driver's backseat, <laughs> then just, just order a Lyft or an Uber. But the plight with the small restaurant in Cabbage Town is not unique to the small restaurant in Cabbage Town. It's not unique to the restaurant industry. It's not unique to the Atlanta restaurant community. There is literally an organization called the Giving Kitchen that is there to help employees of restaurants during hard times. And it came about beefed up even during the pandemic when a lot of those folks in the kitchen, front of house, even executive management were impacted by the lack of business. And to me, it it never made sense. Well, first of all, the fact that we don't have universal health care in this country, to me, never made sense. It's good for business. It's good for entrepreneurship too. And let me explain on the business side. It's good for business because uh, that's one less cost for doing business. Can you imagine if Jen Chan's didn't have to worry about charging uh, a 4% line item to cover their health insurance costs? And as Emily told us in the interview last half hour, actually it fell $2,000 short. And where do you think that money came from? It came from their bottom line. It'd be good for business if we had universal health care. It'd be good for Jin Chan's and other locally owned, privately owned small businesses. And that's another thing. Small businesses suffer more when they go out and shop for health insurance for their employees. And make no mistake, offering health insurance draws employees to your job. So when you can't afford health insurance or health insurance is such an impediment or you you know, you know, have to decide, do I offer it? Uh, do I shutter the business? That's the kind of decision that a small business owner who needs to hire full-time employees has to consider. It's already hard to take on P.F. Chang's when you're Jen Chan's. But it's good for big business too because that is an expense for them as well. Because again... They're competing to hire the most talented people, the best people to work in their business. And if it's not just the salary, sometimes it's the benefits, it's the perks that make the difference. And then think of this. What if you want to open your own business or become a self-employed individual such as myself in real estate? And the thing that's keeping you from leaving your job and doing that is the fact that you have health insurance through your employer, partially or wholly paid for, as good as it may or may not be for you, but you and or your family need health insurance and you're not sure you could go it alone without health insurance or paying out of pocket for yourself for a little while if you left that job to strike it on your own. And I don't understand the pushback from those who... I guess, want to make noise about the fact that someone working in food service or someone working, uh, for example, in rideshare, <laughs> you, you don't want the person that you're stuck in a vehicle with for 20, 30 minutes, 45, however long the ride takes. You, you don't care that they have access to health care 
in the midst of RSV and flu season? Hello. And it's 30 degrees out. They're not cracking the window. You're not either. You don't care that the person prepping your food with their hands and their mouths and noses hovering over your plate, you don't care if they have access to healthcare? You're going to make a bunch of noise on social media about a $2 surcharge that ensures that the people that made your food have access to healthcare? Make it make sense, man. I just don't get it. And from the right and those who want to coddle the healthcare insurance industry and the healthcare provider industry, or they give you these crazy Venezuelan or uh, Russian Cold War horror stories about the long lines and the waits. And the, it's not like if we had universal health care or, or even some sort of like government provided health services that we're just going to get rid of private industry altogether. I mean, how many of us have seen four decades now the Aflac commercials? Aflac is supplemental health insurance. What I'm saying is, if you want more, you will pay a little more, right? It's no different than public schooling, and that'll be another conversation to come up under the Gold Dome. Medicaid expansion and school vouchers. Ugh, here we go again with the school vouchers. Do you want society on the whole to be healthier, more productive people. And if working in and around you, and let's be honest, it's a more crowded city, state, country than it ever has been. We're all hanging out with each other and COVID taught us we can definitely affect each other to the positive and the negative health-wise. Do you not want society to be healthier? And honestly, a more productive workforce? Because that's great for the economy too, right? I say the same thing with education. Doesn't it make sense instead of to attack public education to ensure that it is a priority to fund? And by the way, this this isn't a discussion about school vouchers, but I, I do want to share this while I kind of wandered into that real quick. Uh, Jay Bookman tweeted earlier this afternoon, in Oklahoma, median household income is $61,364. According to the Oklahoma Tax Commission, 55%, more than half, of applicants for a new school voucher program come from households making more than $150,000. Using the plight of poor people to sell vouchers for rich people is some kind of cynicism. I mean, that's that's the long and the short. It's, it's got to be needs-based. If you're going to do it at all, it's got to be needs-based, right? I mean, it has to be needs-based. Otherwise, if you're going to... If you can afford to send your kids to private school, you made that choice, right? That is a choice you made above and beyond the public school offerings that you have. And I get it. If you're wealthy or, I don't know, make $150,000 a year or more, and I'm not saying that that's wealthy, but that's pretty good. If you want to send your kids to a better school, I got to think that because of what you earn, you have the choice to live in a good school zone, don't you? Anyway, this whole argument about... Uh, a, a, a surcharge on a restaurant tab to cover health insurance for the employed at that restaurant is just another scenario where we are fighting against each other when we should be working together for one another. It, it, it boggles the mind that we keep having these fights over issues that, for the greater good, we all benefit from the rising tide lifting all boats. From the bottom up, instead of the top down, 
And yet we're, we're pitted against each other over arguments over health insurance. And I, for the life of me, I'll never understand the air quotes, evangelical conservative who isn't looking out for their fellow man or woman, who doesn't have empathy, who is so ideologically driven, even against their own religious ideology, that they are innately, reflexively against what their Lord and Savior actually espoused in the very book they profess to hold so dear. And don't even get me started on how the waitstaff feels they're treated on Sunday afternoon when church lets out. Oh, do you know anybody that has worked in food and beverage as a server in their lifetime? Ask them about the after-church crowd and how they tip and how they treat folks who work in that field. I remember one lady telling me when she got her check back from a patron and the patron says, I'm giving your tip to the church without even thinking about it or running it through a filter. (laughs) The lady said, which church? My light bill is due. I need to send it to them. Hang tight. One more segment. Final segment of the Ron Show for the day, for the week and the weekend. And while I'm in rant mode, by the way, I'm in a really good mood. I'm not upset about anything. (laughs) Now, you know what? Actually, it has been kind of an up and down day. It's been an up and down, what are we, into the fifth day? It's been an up and down year so far. Uh, it, it being being in residential real estate, it's it's always, you know, hand to mouth. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like hunting, kill and eat, right? Um, so I guess maybe the whole health insurance thing is something that's near and dear to me. And, and again, I'm, I'm fortunate, I say fortunate, that uh, out of pocket, I pay $200 a month for health insurance, uh, which isn't terrible. But yeah, I would rather I would rather that be some sort of a tax that we all pay. Nonetheless, this got me to thinking about something else. I, I mentioned rideshare and being in a car, stuck with someone in a car, uh, and wanting to make sure that your driver has health insurance. And by the way, as the driver, you want to make sure that the person in the back seat of your car has health insurance too, right? Because you're stuck in that car together, especially in the winter time when the windows are up and you got the you got the heat on because it's cold outside. <clears throat> you're breathing, you're sharing air. You want each other to be healthy. That's what makes sense. Something else that I got a bone to pick about. So one of my neighbors asked if I would mind dropping them off at the Hawks game the other night. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. I mean, it's blocks from where I live. And normally they're like, "Eh, you know, we could just walk over to the streetcar. It's like three blocks from here. It was cold, y'all. It was cold. And I was going out to run some errands anyway. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, this, this works. So I'm, I'm dropping my, uh, my neighbors off at the Hawks game. And this week there's also been what's called the passion conference. It's like a young adult, 18, 25 year old, uh, evangelical pep rally of sorts, I guess. And here's how big this was. It was inside Mercedes Benz stadium, upwards of 60 to 70,000 young adults, all descending on Metro Atlanta for the last few days. So the Hawks are playing at State Farm Arena and literally across the street, next door to each other, is Mercedes-Benz Stadium. State Farm Arena seats about 19,000 or so. 
Mercedes-Benz Stadium can hold 70,000 plus because if they're not using the floor, the floor will actually have seats as well. So there can be 100,000 people at any given point in time when there are events going on simultaneously at both venues. So I felt like I was a rideshare person dropping friends off at one of these events. And can I just tell you, the Atlanta Police Department to this day, and both venues have been here a while now. Uh, State Farm Arena has been there when it was Phillips Arena before. It's been there more than 20 years, I want to say. And Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right next to it, has been there since 2017. We are going into year seven of the existence of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right? So in that six, seven-year period, both of those venues being there at the same time, this has happened a few times where there's been events going on at both. I remember leaving Elton John while the Hawks were wrapping up. There was also a Georgia State University football game going on, blocks away in Summerhill, and a concert letting out at the Fox, and rideshare was impossible because traffic was at a standstill because Atlanta police, to this day, still don't know how to handle it. And this is, again, where I would say, by all means, you should use MARTA. But I also have to say, for those poor rideshare folks who make, I don't know, eight, ten, twelve dollars maybe for the ride from the venue to a hotel or nearby home to sit there in traffic. I'm not exaggerating to you. It took me 45 minutes to navigate to and then drop off and then another 15 just to get out. And where, by the way, I was going, it was coned, the whole area was coned off in such a nonsensical way for no reason that I could see that it diverted me about a mile and a half on a detour from where I was going. So whether this referendum comes to be or doesn't come to be, if there's going to be another Atlanta public safety training facility in DeKalb County, on the Weelani Forest, or the former Weelani Forest, I hope to hell Atlanta police starts working up. Maybe that's why they're paving all of these curbs and roads out there. I hope to hell Atlanta police starts working on how to handle having two events at two large venues right next to each other, which, by the way, this ain't going to get better. <laughs> I hate to sound like... This is not going to get better because across the street where there's a lot of uh, surface level parking, it's called the Gulch. They're redeveloping that. That's going to, so the cars are going to go away. Oh, that's a good thing. Maybe that'll help with some of the traffic. But the, but the ride share part, well, there, there will be parking at the Gulch too, right? Because there's going to be some, some parking decks along the way. So that's really not going to change. What I'm saying is there's going to be more drawing people to that area of downtown Atlanta when the Gulch is developed. And Atlanta police can't deal with it now. And we are all high and mighty about, we've got the World Cup coming here in 2026. Great. So the entire world gets to see what a fluster cluck our local 5-0 is handling large-scale events like that. When it's a Super Bowl or when it was the Olympics, there was all kinds of road closures and a lot of announcements made beforehand. But it's 2024 and we're heading towards the World Cup in 2026 and Marta ain't going to get 
sturdier. It's not going to get more extensive, and it's not going to be any more convenient to use than it already is. So rideshare is going to be a thing. And the city of Atlanta and Chief Sheerbaum and the Atlanta Police Department working so hard on getting this at public safety training facility, not just for them, not just for cops, but public safety training facility, that it seems to me they really need to be working on the training of traffic control. Because right now, what they're doing ain't cutting it. I even read in a Facebook group of Uber and Lyft drivers that the recommendation is from some of the more veteran drivers, don't even go near it because it's not worth your time for the little money you're going to make sitting there. Way to go, Aiden. That's going to do it for The Ron Show. Back here Monday, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or the podcasts, show notes, we got them, ronshowatl.com. Hey, have a great weekend.